Greetings and welcome into College Golf Talk. Steve Burkowski and Brentley Romine with you. And the calendar officially says October. And that usually means a lot of good things in the world of sports, especially in college athletics. And, and Brentley, for the college golf world, at least on October 1st, we can say we're getting closer. Let's go back to the middle of March. The remainder of the college golf season was canceled. No NCAA championships. But at least at this point, some are playing, some aren't. Why don't we uh, give those listening uh, a quick uh, update on who's seeing action and who's waiting to 2021. Burko, we're back. Yes, we are. We're back. I, you know, honestly, if you would have asked me two months ago if we would have had college golf, I wasn't quite so sure. And even if we did, I wasn't quite so confident that it would even look or resemble anything, um, you know, like we've, you know, come to – uh, you know, that we've grown accustomed to. And I will say with, you know, a handful of tournaments in the books, um, yeah, we only have about 20% of the men's teams playing, um, about a little more than that of the women's teams. Uh, only three conferences have all their teams participating. But from the events that we've gotten to see so far, uh, whether it be the Graham McDowell that, that, that just ended, the Colonial event with the Big 12 men's teams, Oklahoma's event on the women's side, it's it's college golf. I mean, it's it's players teeing it up, uh, you know, counting scores, dropping scores, winning trophies. Uh, some teams not playing so well, but uh, I mean, it's it's golf, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see what the uh, you know next month and a half or so brings, and uh, obviously what the uh, you know what the spring brings. Yeah, we take a look at the Power Five conferences. The Big Twelve and the SEC are playing college golf this fall in 2020 the Pac-12 the Big Ten and the ACC are not so from the standpoint of the Blue Bloods the teams you normally see at the NCAA championships two of the five are and three are waiting to next year that's sort of the scenario and I think we've all agreed throughout the summer when we keep people updated it's not a golf decision it is a college athletics or a conference decision that you know, some of these guys pulled the trigger early in June or July and look at those trying to get back to football. Well, those that pulled the plug, college golf was never going to come back in the fall. Yeah, and it's not only a, a safety decision, but for a lot of these conferences, it was a financial de you know decision with the ACC. They're, they're playing football. They're playing other fall sports, but the golf whose championship segment is, is in the spring and for other similar sports that are in that kind of same boat, they don't get to play. And I, I think some of it's safety, but in the case of the ACC, I think a lot of it was money. Um, and, you know, going, going back to the fact that we have so many of these uh, conferences that aren't playing, it, it almost affects the women's side a little bit more than the men's because when you think of men's college golf, the, the, the two biggest conferences, and no disrespect to the Pac-12 and the ACC, but in men's college golf, the Big 12 and the SEC are clearly the two best conferences top to bottom. On the women's side, you could argue that, well, it's... It's the ACC and the Pac-12. Yeah, it's it, it's the Pac-12, and then you can you can maybe make an argument that the SEC now may be a little deeper than the ACC, but 
typically year in and year out, it's Pac-12 and ACC. So on the women's side, we're seeing a lot more of our our national title contenders, our player of the year contenders. They're they're having to play amateur events and uh, you know find somewhere else to to keep those competitive juices flowing uh, rather than team golf. Yeah, communications with the NCAA, they're going to sit, they're going to take a wait-and-see approach, which I think is smart. All indications are there will be national championships next May at Greyhawk for the men and women in Scottsdale, Arizona. They're not looking to reinvent the wheel. And again, I think that's a prudent decision to evaluate. And I think once you get into the spring and you look at rankings and regional selections, they're going to have a bigger challenge than they've had on their hands in years past. We can touch on that six, seven months from now, but I like their information being shared with us that we're going to try to keep it as normal as we possibly can. So that's potentially a good thing for uh, teams that won't play uh, until 2021. And that sort of allows us to transition into the teams to watch this fall. And let's start on the men's side and, you alluded to the Graham McDowell event that just finished up. And the winners there, well, they've won every time they've teed it up this fall. 3-0. and uh, Give me more on the UAB uh, Blazers, what they've been able to do in the last uh, three or four weeks. Yeah, now, not to take anything away from what the Blazers have done, because winning three out of three times in the fall, no matter what tournament you're playing, is pretty impressive. Um Granted, it's, it's not the, the type of schedule that, uh, you know, they're going to face later on in the spring or, or in the postseason. They're not going to see many of, of these teams in the postseason. But you, there, there is the potential for this team to be really good and a top 15 team nationally. Um, William Walker III, one of the best names in, in college golf, he's, he's their leader. But Nick Robillard has really stepped up. And it's probably the team's MVP in the fall. He was just uh, named with uh, Conference USA co-player of the week honors along with Walker. But the real X factor has been Drew Mathers. He's a D3 All-American transfer. And anytime, I mean, people think D3, you know, they don't play golf in D3. There's some really good Division III and Division II golfers for that matter. And we saw a a really max exodus from these lower levels via the transfer portal to Division I this past summer. Um, but when you add a guy like Drew Mathers to a team that also features Kavis Veridan, who won the AJGA Junior Players a few years ago, suddenly this is a pretty deep team. And uh, those are some players that could probably crack just about any lineup in the country, Burko. Yeah, and for teams that are playing this fall, let's sort of la- let people know they're regional-based schedules. They are playing yeah. within their conferences or their, you know, locale, shall we say, you know, two, three, maybe some have four events if you throw in the East Lake Cup, but that's how they're making this quote-unquote regional bubble work. Hop in a van, get to the tournament, do your thing, and get back and play. So, as you said, the wings hopefully will be spread more uh, as we move into 2021, but a great start for UAB and a great start for the Oklahoma Sooners. You mentioned the Big 12 playing at Fort Worth uh, at Colonial Country Club, and Ryan Hibble's team, arguably one of those favorites to beat had we had an NCA in May. Well, they come out blazing right out of the gates and uh, they pick up a, a win. They make a big statement, in my opinion, especially when you consider who they brought in, who stayed for the extra year. They're really, really good. How about that uh, Twitter flex that they did with the, 
the Eminem song and the two trophies in the van. I mean, you don't do that uh, unless you, you're pretty confident in your team's abilities. And w- one thing to point out with Oklahoma's win uh, earlier this week was the fact that they did it without one of their first-team All-Americans, Garrett Reban. Now, I talked to Hibble um, the night of their win, and he said he we may see Reband uh, at the Big 12 match play this weekend. He, uh, they're they're going to travel with, with seven guys, and there's a chance that Hibble may throw him in one of the rounds. But to beat Texas, to beat Texas Tech, who are two national title contenders, two very deep teams in a six-count-four format, um, without one of your best players really shows the depth uh, that Coach Hibble has. And Logan McAllister, I, I don't know what it is with this Nike event. Now, the Colonial event is, wasn't technically the Nike event this season, but it basically was. Um, but Logan McAllister is a kid who was an AJGA All-American He's won three times in college, but hasn't done anything else. And this is the year that he's going to have to be more consistent because he can't just show up one tournament a year and, you know, expect to make the lineup. This is a very deep team, and they left some pretty good players at home. But with with Quade Cummins and a healthy Garrett Reband and Patrick Welch, uh, Jonathan Brightwell. Brightwell. How about Brightwell, the transfer from uh, Wilmington? Oh, is it Greensboro or Wilmington? Um. UNCG. Got it. But regardless, mm-hmm. a really good player that went to an even better program, um, he makes an impact right out of yeah. the gate. That's why everybody wanted him. So certainly uh, the Sooners, a big statement uh, right out of the gate. And you alluded to the women's event, the Schooner Classic for Oklahoma on the ladies' side. And if we thought the men from Oklahoma made a statement, what did Baylor do on the women's side? absolutely lapping the field what was it 31 shot victory 31 shot victory of oklahoma and tcu now texas played with only four players they're without arguably their three best players or two at least two of their best players they're two uh internationals sarah kuskova and uh i got lenny uh, one of your yeah. favorite names burko to uh pronounce <laughs> but they're both um gonna come back in the spring uh they're in their respective home countries um, because of this COVID-19 stuff. And Caitlin Papp, uh, she didn't make the trip. Uh, she's looking to play in the U.S. Women's Open. So it was kind of an unknown uh, what playing this event would do to her rankings. So she chose to not play. I mean, you got to respect, uh, you know, a player who has their eye on, you know, not, not that team golf isn't important, but to play in a major is definitely a pretty big accomplishment. So Texas not at full strength, but – not to take anything away from Baylor. I was talking to uh, Jay Goble, their head coach, and he said they're, they're usually late bloomers. Uh, they, they hadn't won their season opening event in his 10 years as a, as a coach um, until Monday. So the, just a, a very under-the-radar team, and typically uh, you know, when, a, when a team makes the uh, NCAA final in 2015 at concession, uh, they don't really – you know, they, they can't really claim that title of, of underdogs. And um, somehow they've still been able to do that. I think the gig's finally up. Uh, L.D. Chapelet, Gurling Carr, um, they're two of the best players in the country. And they're, and, and they're two players that I had on, uh, you know, my preseason Onica list. So a lot of talent uh, in Baylor, uh, in Waco. And I, I don't think this is, you know, a, a flash in the pan. I think Baylor's here to stay. And they're probably, uh, you know, at least the third, if not the second best team 
uh, in the Big 12 when they're at full strength. Yeah, confirmed UNC Greensboro. You were correct on, on Jonathan Brightwell. And, you know, we talk about those two teams and you throw UAB, those three, because they've played golf. Like we're, we're now on the cusp in the coming days and weeks of we're not going to see a ton of golf, but in this three or four week window, we're going to see a fair bit of it. So we'll have a better understanding of, you know, as you said, Texas or Oklahoma State or pick a team in the SEC that might play three times in a five-week span. We'll certainly have a, a better understanding there. So at least we wanted to acknowledge and identify what we have seen in the scores that are being shot. Uh, and you sort of alluded to it. We can move on to the early look at Annika and Haskin Award, uh, you know, lists uh, presented by Steeple going out to the most outstanding player in women's and men's college golf. And when we did our college central fall preview show the other day, we showed the list of strictly players that will actually tee it up in the fall because it can mm -hmm. get very convoluted of somebody playing me. two, three, <laughs> four events, and then some other favorites haven't even teed it up. And, you know, you alluded to, to Texas, the internationals. Like, there are international players on both sides across the country, across the world, that are simply not in the United States for yeah. obvious reasons with COVID and, and travel restrictions. But why don't we start with the Annika list of maybe two, three, four players you feel like, hey, watch them this fall and let's see if they can continue it in the spring. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no guarantee that the players not playing this fall are going to play in the spring. I mean, I, I don't think we can 100% chalk that up. But, yeah, I mean, as far as the players playing this fall, uh, you you mentioned there's there's a few that that are not – that, that their teams are playing and they are not. Uh, Benedetta Moresco from Alabama, she's a freshman that I would have had in my top 20 preseason uh, players playing this fall. Maha Stark from Oklahoma State, she's another one that's not competing that likely would have been on this list. But as far as the players that are actually on the list and are actually playing, here's a few names to keep an eye on. Uh, Ingrid Lindblad from LSU had a very, very good uh, freshman campaign, was actually one of what seemed like about 10 or 11. Um, yeah, she was a finalist last year, but seemed like 10 or 11 freshmen last year just played absolutely amazing. And another one of those is Pauline Racine uh, Bouchard, who was the top-ranked amateur for much of the summer. Um, she obviously plays for South Carolina, and we're going to see her at the Blessings uh, in a few days. And then kind of a kind of a dark horse, but I think Megan Schofel from Auburn. She's a sophomore as well this year. She had, you know, some some flashes of brilliance during her freshman campaign. She won an event. Um, this is a very good Auburn team, a team that I think is going to make it back to match play like they did uh, two years ago at Blessings. And Schofel, I wouldn't be surprised if she goes out and wins three or four times. And she played well at the women's amateur, made a, <clears throat> a run deep into the match play portion of that championship. So uh, as you, again, you sort of keyed on some SEC players because that's what we're going to see them in the big 12 from the power five conferences. And then on the men's side with the Haskins award, I think this is where it gets extremely interesting of all the fifth year seniors coming back. Those that with the cancellation of the golf season had the ability to come back, I, I've called it a mulligan. You get a senior redo, you get to do it all over again. 
and you can go John Augenstein, Quade Cummins. I mean, the list is really stout, and it just makes, I think, that the Haskins Award unbelievably uh, competitive, and we haven't really played golf yet. <laughs> yeah, I was pulling my hair out trying to, you know, pare down the the list of what was probably about 35 guys to start to pare it down to, to, to 20 players. Um, I mean, you're, you're leaving some very deserving guys out of it, but I mean, you mentioned Augenstein and uh, uh, who else did you mention? Augenstein. Uh, Quade Cummings is Quaid, back. Quade Cummings, know. Sandy Scott from Texas tech. I mean, Another he's good one. top 10 amateur in the world. And even a guy like Austin Eckroat, who isn't a returning fifth year senior, but he likely was going to turn pro early last summer. His plans changed. Um, but I mean, we, we know about those guys, Cooper Dossie. Here's a name that I think a lot of people may know already. They may not. Um, he's going to be a sophomore this year. Travis Vick from Texas. He was T six at their season opening event at colonial in my opinion. And I, I played with them in the uh, college am at the East Lake cup last fall. And in my opinion, he's the best driver of the golf ball in amateur golf. His teammate, Pearson Cootie, may give him a run for his money on his best day. But Travis Vick is a kid who just doesn't seem to have any weaknesses, hits the ball a mile, hits it straight. And I just really look for him. Um, didn't have the best freshman year, was overshadowed by Ricky Castillo and William Mao. But when you play in Austin and you practice and you compete around that kind of talent every day, week in and week out, um, eventually you start to exponentially, you know, improve as a player. And, and this is really going to be uh, Travis Vick's breakout season. I, I, I would almost bet money on it. Yeah. And you mentioned a couple other sophomores in Castillo, in Mao. We saw enough of them in their freshman campaign to say, okay, watch out. These are some talented super softs that, uh, throughout the course of the fall into the spring, uh, certainly you would expect them to stay in the mix on that Haskins watch list. And of course, PGA Tour University, that it was announced earlier this year. Some initial rankings came out earlier this summer. The most recent ranking, not a ton change. The man at the top is still at the top, John Pack, the senior from FSU, because when you remember these rankings, they are college golf events only, but the one exception is a PGA Tour start or a major championship start gives you points. Well, John Pack was the only amateur to make the cut at Wingfoot a couple weeks ago at the U.S. Open. So that gave him some extra points. And even John Augenstein, who was in the field at Wingfoot, even though he didn't make the cut, he jumped up a t couple of spots. And you finish in that top five, Brentley, the week after NCAs in 2021, you're going right to the Corn Ferry Tour. You're going to be exempt and have seven or eight starts. I've said it before, i said it again. I think it's a game changer. I think this is the biggest reason why all these seniors came back for a fifth year. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to actually get everyone out there this spring and, and have events. I mean, I, I, there, there's going to be some movement this fall, but it's going to be really exciting when we – start to near conference tournaments and regionals and you have players jockeying for position because so far, I mean, there hasn't been a lot of movement because those top five guys in, in PGA tour U um, or at least four out of the five, they, 
they got to play in the U.S. Open because of their Wagger ranking, which a lot of that goes into, you know, the PGA Tour U standings. So it, it didn't it didn't shock me that there hasn't been a lot of movement yet. And I think John Pack really, you know, really did himself a favor and he's built kind of a cushion. So though he's not going to get to play this fall, I, I don't think it's going to hurt him. I, I, I don't know. I mean, we haven't seen enough about, you know, out of the rankings and kind of how far guys can move based on finishes. So I'm not willing to say that he's a lock, but um, if, if he comes out this spring and plays like we know he can play, um, I don't think he has to really stress. But for those other guys, there's there's some players outside that top five. I mean, John Augenstein, Cooper Dossie's outside that top five. Quade Cummins. Quade Cummins is playing unbelievable golf right now too. Um, so those guys are going to be coming for those spots. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out in the spring um, in regards to that because that's going to be something that we're going to have our eye on. You know, we're going to be looking to see what teams make regionals and what teams make NCAAs and – can win a national title, but we're going to have an eye on PGA Tour U as well. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, I can assure you all those young men will be looking. And as you said, once we get deeper into it, all right, how far do you actually move up with a win? What does a top five get you? What might knock you back? So uh, it's something we will continue to monitor and update throughout the course of the season. You alluded to the Blessings Collegiate Invitational. I'm headed back to Fayetteville, Arkansas. It was gosh, 18 months ago almost now, maybe 16, 17. Those were the last NCAA championships, and we're going to have it covered on Golf Channel. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all 14 Southeastern Conference teams, men and women, all five team members will play together in a group. I mean, it's, it's going to be a lot of golfers out there, and we're going to do it differently, but bottom line, we're going to be able to showcase – one of the best conferences, uh, you know, in, in college golf. It should be a lot of fun on what we found out uh, can be a bear of a golf course if it wants to be. Are you going to go to Doe's, Burka? You get a big steak? You know, is, is the pandemic rules, am I going to be allowed to do that? Am I going to have to do takeaway? I, you know, you bring up so many scenarios. <laughs> I, I don't know if they make a, uh, a, you know, a dog box big enough to take home that steak. <laughs> you might just you have want, to... Can, <laughs> you wrap it up in foil exactly. but no I, it's it's gonna be fun I mean we get I, I was talking to some coaches and in South Carolina's Bill McDonald um said it best you know they they get three more SEC championships at, at least on the men's side three more SEC championships this fall so you're playing against you know 13 of the best teams in the country four times I mean, it's, it, l- luckily they got rid of the 500 rule this year because there's going to be some some teams that get that get beat up a little this fall and um, we're going to find themselves in a little bit of a hole, but you know, it's, I think looking on the positive side, we have a really wide open race um, on, on both sides. I mean, South Carolina, um, Ole Miss on the women's side, uh, Florida. I mean, those are three teams who, who we're going to see at the East Lake cup and are probably the three best teams um, along with Auburn. And so it's going to be a real, real fight to the finish um, to see who can lift that SEC title and who can make the deepest run in the postseason. The men's side, you know, I, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, Texas A&M has been a, you know, kind of a, um, you know, a, what's the word I'm looking for? They've, they've, they've been in the conversation in NCAA championships, SEC championships for the past decade, it seems. They're going to have to 
find out, you know, what's, what's life like after, uh, you know, JT Higgins, who went on to take the head coaching position at USC this summer, uh, Vanderbilt, bring it back. John Augustine's huge for that team because I, frankly, you know, it, it, without John Augustine, this team is, is, is not the best team in the conference. And, George is a team I think you probably have to give the favorite to just because of having Trent Phillips and Davis Thompson and Spencer Ralston. Those, those top three. Auburn's got some depth. They bring back Yovan Rabula. Uh, Arkansas, a, a team that just has a, a ton of depth. They add uh, Oliva Pinto from the U.S. Amateur from UNC Wilmington. You know, we're giving both yes. UNC uh, teams uh, let, 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 Let's just a make shout sure out. he's the only one that goes in the bunker. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we, we won't talk about that, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, our, our Arkansas with Mason Overstreet back and Julian Perico, I think they're probably the dark horse. Florida's and I know you're going to enjoy this Burko, but Florida's a team that added a, a couple of D2 guys and Gio Manzoni and Carlos Bustos. And even though they lost John Axelson, who turned pro early, when you can add those two guys along with Joe Pagden, who's going to be, who's going to give Florida the chance to have two straight Phil Mickelson Award winners. And how many in the last four or five years with Horsefield winning? Like three out of the last five. Maybe three years? out of five. Yeah, as national yeah, freshman I mean, of the year. And then, oh by the way, Ricky Castillo is back and ready. I'm talking to J.C. Deacon at Wingfoot a couple of weeks ago. He was. Uh, up there for uh, catting or hanging around Ricky and, and Kurt Kitayama from UNLV when he was there, he sort of gave me that look. He's like, we got a chance this year. You know, it, the pieces might, might be in place to, to make a run. Cause quite honestly, they have underachieved with some of the talent they have had through the years. Um, so perhaps uh, this is the, the year, but uh, you know, as we sort of wrap things up, you've talked to coaches and, and what Bill McDonald told you, it's, it's sort of across the board. There is a sense of gratitude. You know, those that aren't playing, they're disappointed, but they can still practice. They can still do things. And as coaches have told me, we're going to treat this as an opportunity somehow, some way to get better. I've always thought the fall season is the shrimp cocktail leading up to the dough steak in the spring. Yeah. Who are you as a team? What are these newcomers like? Are these trans transfers going to fit in? So while some teams will be able to put that to the test, others will have to find out in January. Um, it's the gratitude. It is the sense in this um, very unusual 2020 uh, world we're living in that, you know what, I, there might just be a better sense of, of, wow, hey, we're happy to be playing golf. We want to win. We want to play well. But the fact that we are playing – you know, a better appreciation for the big picture in life. Yeah, it, it, it comes down to would you rather have some fall golf or, or no fall golf? And the, I, I'll tell you what, the, these coaches are really earning their paychecks. Not, not that they already don't, but um, for, for the teams who are playing, to, to try to, you know, instill not only a sense of grat gratitude, but instill more discipline because there, there's so many more – ancillary things that these student athletes have to keep tabs of you know they 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 have to make sure that they're staying safe and that they're being responsible and it, it you know it, their their jobs don't finish once they leave the you know the practice facility uh it's really a 24 7 uh 
job for these student athletes and the fact that you know you you don't want to have a positive test because it doesn't affect you it affects your whole team and we've seen programs like Oklahoma and Oklahoma State already have outbreaks and um, you know luckily Oklahoma was was able to start the year off right but you know teams can't afford to have that happen you know later this fall or in the middle of the spring so everyone's got to stay smart and one of the coolest things, Burko, and I, I, I know we had uh, Wake Forest women's coach uh, Kim Llewellyn on the TV special the other day, um, is is how these coaches are are using the fact that they're not playing to try to motivate these players. They're they're having to create these inner squad tournaments, and they're they're having to think of creative ways to treat practice and treat workouts that keep these kids motivated because it's really, really easy, you know, easy after a summer of, it seems like more bad news. It's just a bad news sandwich. You know, this summer, every single day you wake up and it's something new and it, it could be depressing at times. And their, their job as coaches are to keep these kids motivated. And, um, cause it's, it's a tough time for everyone, but when, you know, you're, you're not, playing golf and you're not being able to watch golf I I think it's a lot more depressing than if you know obviously if if you can at least watch five tournaments or six tournaments and we're going to get about 13 and um it's it's going to be fun to watch and it's better than the alternative as I said before yeah college golf is back from our perspective in our little world under the microscope that is great news again blessings collegiate invitational monday four o'clock eastern first round coverage be sure to tune in there and brentley you and i throughout the course of the next five six weeks we'll have some podcasts every 10 days or so just to keep people updated and informed and uh, as you led the show i'll conclude it we're back that's what matters always good to be with you my friend and we'll have another edition of college golf talk coming your way soon